0: This week's podcast brought to you by Half Spanks. If you've ever been to a youth softball game, you know that the kids love to do a variety of cheers while they're waiting their turn in the dugout. And the other night, our eight year old came over and said, This is the new cheer that I've learned.
1: Hey, hon, on one, let me see you wiggle. Hey, you, on two, let me see you wiggle. Hey, nerd, on third, let me see you wiggle.
2: I think my favorite softball cheer is still, uh, My name is Steve and you know what I got? I got a team that's hotter than hot. Grand slams and home runs too. We gonna beat the whoopsies out of you.
0: I like that one. Um, I like the one where they back they back their booties back. Or How, how does that one go? Do you scoot, remember?
2: Scoot your booty back?
0: Scoot your booty back, yeah. If I were
2: you and you were me, I'd scooch my booty back. Scoot my booty scoot scoot Scooch my booty. booty yeah something like that yeah it's
0: um it's sweet it's the it's the cheers the universal cheers that you hear from all the teams at least around here from like age 8 through i don't know 13 and i was looking recently and there are some instructional videos from college teams giving the cheers that they do so apparently it goes all the way through college but how come softball teams do these cheers which are delightful and fun and and enjoyed by the crowd and, and the parents, but you never hear boys doing any kind of cheers in Little League. What, what's the reason for that? We might think? have talked
2: about this before, about wanting to see Bryce Harper singing, you know, scoot your booty back in Major League Baseball, but there definitely isn't enough singing in sports. There is in, in soccer, and Man- Manchester City just won the Premier League on Sunday, and afterwards they stayed on the field to sing uh, the Man City anthem, Wonderwall, with Noel Gallagher of Oasis, who wrote "Wonderwall," in the crowd singing along.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That was there. Well, s- Does uh, every
2: team have like a theme song? Well, like that? I mean, uh, uh, teams, supporters of teams sing songs in in the stands, sure. And um, you know, uh, uh, some teams have their own their own anthems. Millwall sings "No One Likes Us, We Don't Care." West Ham's famously. Uh, were forever blowing bubbles and in Liverpool most famously you'll never walk alone but uh, there, there isn't any of that in American sports as far as I can think it, with the exception of Major League Soccer which mimics uh, those. in fact Minnesota United sings Wonderwall I believe.
0: I remember the first time I played um, internationally was right after my senior year in high school and I played for USA Basketball and we were playing in Mexico and I remember that's one of the things that struck me more than anything else is we were at a game and how different the fans were. There was a ton of fans there at the arena and they were singing um, the different teams. You know, the Brazil had a team there, I think. Mexico had a team there and their fans the, waving their flags. And um, But singing was the biggest thing that was so different from Fans in the U.S. You know, never do you have the whole section of fans singing the same song or um, you know all in unison doing something. But um, internationally, the teams do, and it really is a, a good way to root on your team.
2: Even places where you're where you're expected to sing in public, church, for instance, people are reluctant to sing in public and just sort of in the U.S. mumble along. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, that is.
2: Uh, Which is weird because the U- Americans are renowned for chatting up strangers on airplanes and being over overly oversharing and when they're overseas oversharing overseas that would be a good name for a book
0: but you know what that might just be new england because that's totally the reputation of people in new england like if we went to a catholic church for example because that's what we attend up here we went to a catholic church in
2: in the south you're saying new england has a reputation for reticence and being
0: yeah uh, being quiet and not overly friendly and you know
2: the the church, not even underly friendly.
0: <laughs> the church services here, you know. No, nobody really sings, but I wonder if it's different. Let us let, have some of our listeners who are in the South and let us know, or in any other parts of the country, if if you go to Catholic ma- mass it, in those yeah. places, are are they as quiet as they are here? It has here? to be
2: Catholic mass because obviously, like a uh, you know, a gospel choir, or yeah, something, like a Methodist mass along. or a Baptist. It's, perhaps the the music is much more lively as well. Yeah,
0: that's, that's true. I I do remember, though, playing in an AAU tournament somewhere down south. And um, my parents had gone and my mom went to mass on a Sunday. And instead of it being the typical New England 55 minutes, and I think this is directly related to the music, um, she came home like two hours later. (laughs) So the length of the mass was definitely different. And I think it's because there was a lot more involvement musically.
2: On these discussions, I always think of uh, the Lyle Lovett song "Church," and if you haven't uh, heard it, you should definitely uh, listen to it. It's about a church service that goes on literally all day through through dinner and uh, until the until the preacher, I think, eventually passes out. But it's a fantastic song.
1: <laughs>
2: well, did you have a nice Mother's Day?
0: I had a terrific Mother's Day, mostly because of what I did not do and. Um, Mother's Day here was rainy and very cold, and um, our 10-year-old still had a soccer game, and you took one for the team and uh, brought him to the soccer game and stood outside in the rain and cold for an hour and a half. So as much as I enjoy watching him play soccer, thank you for not making me stand out in those elements on Mother's Day for 90 minutes.
2: Well, did you have a nice Mother's Day wasn't a rhetorical question because I didn't see you for most of Mother's Day, and when I did see you, it was hard to read whether you were you were clearly overcome with emotion, but I, I couldn't tell what that, that emotion may have been indifference when you came downstairs. We let you sleep in. You, you did sl-
0: let me sleep in. Yeah. That
2: was glorious. I
0: slept until, I think, 9, in the, 9 a.m. Yeah. That's yeah. the latest I've slept in a really, really long time. Rebecca
2: sets her alarm for 5.45 every morning. She's like she's like John Gruden. And uh, seven days a week. And Sunday, Mother's Day, her wish was to sleep in. So we, we let her sleep in. I don't know how she slept through the barking dogs and the... Uh, and the barking, barking children. children, but I, but I did, did, and, and when it you came was lovely. yes. when you came downstairs,
0: and I immediately thanked you for letting me sleep in.
2: Thanked me, and and yet it was hard to read whether you were overcome with uh, with gratitude or or uh, something worse when you came downstairs to uh, open your toaster while Alexa blared, "She's a bad mama jamma." <laughs>
0: Are you you kidding? I loved, I came down and I saw more than one present on the, uh, wrapped on the kitchen table, um, which surprised me because I I had sent you a picture of a a necklace that I'd wanted. So I was hoping that I was getting that. But then I saw that there was something other than that wrapped on the kitchen table our daughter our eight-year-old could not wait for me to open the present that she had for me and it was delightful it was a scented candle made in school made in school along with multiple cards that she had made and they were lovely our son made me a card he made me a paper candle um, which I adore and, and the card he had a little poem in the card which was very very sweet I will keep that forever Um, And then we played a guessing game of what we thought might be in the big wrapped box that was on the kitchen table. And and I couldn't figure out what it might be because I hadn't asked for anything um, for the kitchen, but I could tell it was for the kitchen. My guess was, I said to the kids, it's probably something that'll take up a lot of space and I'll use once a year like a pasta maker. (laughs) But it wasn't a pasta maker. It was so much better than that. It was something that we'll use every single day. And was replacing something that you broke a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah. I love it when you preemptively uh, denigrate the present. That's, <laughs> it's such a endearing habit it was, of yours. It
0: was, it was a fun game to play with the kids. What do we think this is going to be? And our 12-year-old was looking at me, smiling, knowingly. And um, But you did great. We needed a new toaster. You not only got us a new toaster, you got us a good one. And... Um, it, it was it was perfect but even better than that actually i got 3 mother's day presents because it was the middle of the week last week and you said you were going out and you came back a couple hours later which is rare for me yes and you came out a, came back a couple hours later with another present and this was absolutely spectacular. It was a carpet for our our living room. Our living room carpet had to be thrown away a few months ago because uh, well, a year and a half ago, a year and gone. a half ago, because the a dog had had a sickness and did things to the carpet that the dog rendered had it had
2: a sickness. The dog had had a sickness. The dog,
0: the dog had a sickness that rendered it um, in, incompetent, or I guess incontinent, not, <laughs> incontinent, incompetent. and incompetent. And uh and she made a mess of the rug and it couldn't be cleaned. So anyway, the best part of the By the way, thank
2: God incompetence and incontinence <laughs> are not the same thing because we'd be we'd yeah. be replacing a lot of rugs. I, I
0: knew that I knew that was the around, wrong word.
2: Around around the nation and around the world.
0: I knew that was the wrong word and I let it slip out anyway. Anyway, you went and and replace the the rug you I didn't have the best part about it was you basically gave me two and a half hours of life because you didn't even ask me to go with you to choose this rug which would not have been something I would have enjoyed it's a perfect rug for the space it's pretty and um, anyway I got three amazing presents and and the toaster. <laughs>
2: you get three amazing presents and one amazing absence. Mine for two and, <laughs> for and a half and hours, half which hours. was really the. But present. no,
0: I, I just didn't have to be in a carpet store for two and a half hours. Like that's I wasn't that's in a, a store. glorious gift. I was in a carpet gift. store for twenty minutes. I know, I but sure. you were you were in the car on the round trip drive to the carpet store for that time. So anyway, that was that was very thoughtful, and I very much appreciated it. And, and I enjoy sitting in that room now with the lovely carpet
2: and the uh, being serenaded with. She's the best
0: that's um that's a song fitting for uh, for any
2: day I, I did say on Saturday, I told our eight year old that I had her go over whisper this in your ear and not tell her that it was from me and she whispered to you, We should let Dad sleep in tomorrow because he's a bad mamma jamma <laughs>
0: um yeah, and I didn't let you sleep in. I'm sorry. I will let you sleep in on Father's Day. I, I, on Father's Day, I will let you sleep in. I will get you, um, I will replace whatever kitchen appliance needs replacing. Please send me in advance what gift you would like, and um, and maybe I'll get us a new carpet for the bathroom or something.
2: Well, the eight-year-old also did say on, on Saturday when she was asking what we were going to do the next day, and I said, well, we're going to do whatever mom wants to do, and she replied, what? It's not all about Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose well, it, it well, kind of is on kind Mother's of Day, is on Mother's and day. every other day.
0: Yeah, it was a glorious Mother's Day. I, starting with sleeping in, lovely presents, not yeah. having to be out in the rain. The, it was, it was nice. The
2: best part of the the um, present that you asked for, you asked for a necklace, on a little post with um, w- with a little post pendant thing with that had four sides, with each of the kids' names inscribed on right. on one of the sides, and you sent me a link to the site all I had to do was push a button and pay for it and I did all that and hilariously when it arrived this thing was what maybe one-eighth the size of what we thought it would be
0: that's 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 what I was going to say too about one-eighth yeah it is tiny I love it and I, I've been wearing it when, but yeah, when, when I, oh,
2: viewed through a jeweler's loop you can make <laughs> out the names of the kids. The
0: names of the kids yeah that was the funny part is um it looked much bigger <laughs> in the picture but, um, but I still love it, and, uh, and thank you for getting it for me. With, with it being Mother's Day, I just loved the amount of emails that I got um, in my email inbox from different vendors telling me what would be a perfect Mother's Day gift. Uh, one of my favorites was from a uh, trampoline park um, that's, that we've been to with the kids with the big header, Moms Jump Free. On Mother's Day, moms jump free, because I'm You'd, sure that's what every mom wants to do, is jump. Like, if, if a mom's going to the trampoline park, you're sitting on the side watching your children jumping around. I wonder how many moms jumped free, the, <laughs> and, for, and free there And went there without children. Right, right, even better than I don't know how you prove you're a mom. Um,
2: While the dad sat on the massage chair.
0: Yes, exactly. I got one from Lens Crafters that said, the perfect gift for Mother's Day. And then you open it and it said, a Mother's Day, she'll never forget. (laughs) Uh. Yes, if you get your mother or your wife glasses, it will be a Mother's Day, she'll never forget. But I'm not sure um, in the way that you want. And then perhaps my favorite came from the Pride gas station, which said, the perfect gift for mom. Beautiful roses at lower prices. And then when you open up the email, it says in script, florist quality so if you want to get florist quality roses for your wife or mother on mother's day know that you can go to the pride gas station so everybody on sunday was selling their wares as perfect for
2: mother's day but even that wasn't the best mother's day promotion i saw this one online surprise mom with breakfast in bed from the castle <laughs> and on this pink border is a uh, the best part, get it delivered for free. Get mom's day started right this Mother's Day. Just pick her castle faves, her White Castle faves, and let DoorDash do the rest. Breakfast served all day and night. Offer valid 5-12-19 only. And, uh, and I will say that would have surprised mom had I had I brought you breakfast well, in bed from the castle.
0: Since everything I know about White Castle I've learned from you, they have a breakfast menu? Do they serve breakfast or is this just on Mother's Day? that They serve breakfast, and is the menu still burgers and fries, or is it like eggs on a biscuit? What the, do we got the, from the, the only, castle? The, the,
2: the, the menu is uh bacon and eggs between two waffles, a hot cup of Joe, and some um some castle uh, tater tots here, hash browns, if you will. But uh, my the only breakfast I have, first of all, I, I s- almost all of my meals from the castle were re- re- eaten between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So it's sort of in a nebulous. Defined meal time, but uh, but I sent this I sent this promotion to my three brothers, saying uh, how would this go over in your house? And my brother John replied, Father's Day is right around the corner, so think of that. Right. And uh, Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry uh, said it would re- would remind his wife Jill of of uh, when she was giving birth to their son Charlie, and she kicked Tom out of the delivery room during labor because the food that had been de- delivered to her smelled horribly but Tom was there eating it <laughs> in the delivery room. She was in, can the you eat room? in the delivery room? What's that? Can you eat in the delivery uh, room?
0: Apparently you can and I mean you were while I think I've told this story before while I was walking through the hospital having labor pains you stopped at the vending machine to buy was it Doritos? Doritos. And so you were walking with me. And for those who have never been in labor, you don't really want to be smelling your husband eating his Doritos, walking with you, or even the the lack of empathy it showed as as I am, like you know, hunched over having a labor pain. You stop to purchase some Doritos. I mean, you and your brother clearly cut from the same cloth. Well,
2: on the empathy scale, where does it rank? Where I am hungry, but I am not allowed to eat because you are going into labor.
0: Well, I would think that most husbands and wives would probably agree that if while your wife is having labor pains, it's slightly insensitive to stop, put money in the machine, grab some Doritos, and then eat
2: them. It, it's
0: just not exactly the best timing.
2: I think what you're really upset about is that was the same night. It was uh, our, our daughter who was born in mid-October during the Yankees-Rangers playoff series that was on TV in the... TV lounge on the floor, and they advise you to walk around, do a lap of the floor, which you did. Right. And on one of your laps, uh, as you passed um, one of the guests, is that what you call them? Guests, I guess, of, who are sort of labor adjacent. But people. it wasn't
0: somebody else who was in labor. I think no, 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 it no, was somebody else who
2: was labor adjacent, and and asked me uh, if on your next circumnavigation of the floor, if you would mind uh, posing for a selfie with her in your in your mm-hmm. gown. My memory is that it wasn't another woman who was a
0: patient there. No, 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 it wasn't was, a It patient. was like a it was, relative It was somebody, somebody.
2: labor-adjacent. It was a guest. I don't know what you would call the traveling party okay, of was people somebody, who are going, yeah, giving right. birth. Yes. Yeah, and and, I, and I, my response to her was, of course she wouldn't mind. And the next time you passed the lounge, I introduced you to this uh, woman. And uh, you told her as she was snapping the selfie that uh, if she posted this on Facebook or someplace, you would... Uh, Not
0: be happy. I was in labor and wearing a hospital gown. I was in labor and wearing a hospital gown, doing laps to help make my labor go a little bit faster. Having contractions, a woman asks you if it's okay for, to have our picture together. You say yes, and then she takes a picture. I'm in labor in my hospital gown. I like, could have. What's I, wrong I, with you? I, I could
2: have hardly taken the picture. I was eating Doritos at the
0: time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well. Anyway. As I'm looking here, yes, White Castle does have a breakfast menu. They call them, of course, breakfast sliders with a variety of um, things that you can get in them. So there you go. You know, that would actually be an amazing Father's Day present because there aren't any White Castles in this state. If I was able to somehow get you White Castle breakfast and not just like from the gas station heated up in the microwave, if I was able to get you real White Castle, um, you would be delighted by that. It's not going to happen because I don't know how it would, but wouldn't you be happy to have White Castle, real White Castle on Father's Day? In bed. In bed. Yeah, like a breakfast in bed of White Castle s- uh, breakfast sliders. Sure. Okay. Just checking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was driving around our son. We were actually going to his, uh, his, going to or coming from his, his frozen uh, soccer game in the rain on Sunday on Mother's Day, and we were listening to, uh, not at his request, I might add, to the 70s on 7, and Elton John was singing Benny and the Jets mm-hmm. because he said to me out of the blue from the back seat, what are electric boots? <laughs> you
0: know, electric a boots,
2: f- <laughs> a mohair suit?
0: Yeah, that's a fair question. Well, I
2: also had to explain to him what mohair was, but uh was a electric fair question. boots? And, and I said, well, I, first of all, you can't too deeply analyze elton john's lyrics we were driving to school this morning our our oldest daughter and i and um and rocket man was on and she said i love this song she said you know the words are kind of kind of uh dumb or something like that and i said well you can't first of all bernie taupin writes the words and elton john writes the music but uh i said you can't you can't to deeply analyze or even think about the lyrics to a lot of these songs and in, in fact in rocket man of course they say mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids <laughs> in fact it's cold as hell and there's no one there to raise them if you did what <laughs> mars isn't the place to raise your kids because there would be no one there to raise them if you raised them what does that mean
0: i don't know but it is a, it sounds great when you're singing it in the car <laughs>
2: It does. Well, anyway, I, I said to my son, uh, our son, that uh, electric boots are boots that are run on electricity. And he replied, apoplectic, I might add, you would need like 200 extension cords to go anywhere.
0: <laughs> True.
2: And he had a point. And then the very next song was Dancing Machine by the Jackson 5. Okay? You can, okay. can you hear it in your head? No. Because you, you don't know any pop cultural reference uh, no, outside uh, of the Dukes of Hazzard. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll listen to it and later, and, and then it, I won't be able to get it out of She's my a head. dance,
2: dance, 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 dance the machine. Watch it get down, watch it get down as she do, do, do her thing right on the scene. You know this. Okay, sure. Okay. okay. She's a dance, 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 dance the machine.
1: Watch her get down, watch her get down. As she do, do, do her thing
2: right on the scene. So, I'm not singing. And uh, he says from the back seat, why are they saying... Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell, <laughs> and I said they're not saying Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell. Though that would have been interesting had they done that in 1973. They're singing "Watch her get down, watch her get down," and he said, "Oh." <laughs> But I will never hear that again without thinking she's a dance, 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 dance a machine Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell she See, did, That's do, the do kind of thing I
0: wouldn't have asked and would have just assumed for years upon years that, that, that it was Roger, Roger Goodell, Goodell or whatever the variation would have been when I was a kid until I, I was in college singing that lyric and somebody would have pointed out how wrong I was
2: Can I just add to this by the way that um, my favorite, ridiculous Elton John lyrics are in Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and I say this with with nothing but love for Elton John. Of course, we're. This we came are, up this morning when my daughter was saying she can't wait to. See, she said, "I can't wait to see Rocket Man, the movie, when it comes out." And I said, "I said, well, what, what if it's terrible?" And she said, "It won't make any difference to me.
0: It and won't I, make any difference."
2: Yeah, and I said, "I said, well, I would prefer it to be good rather than terrible." And she said, I, "It won't bother me at all. She just wants to see the costumes and hear, the, hear music. the music, yeah. right?" and see the recreation of of um, his Dodger Stadium concert where he's in his sequined Dodgers uniform. But uh, but my favorite ridiculous Elton John lyrics written by Bernie Taupin, of course, in Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, um, Back to the Howling Old Owl in the Woods, Hunting the Horny Back Toad. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's us party Yellow Brick Road. Back to the howling old owl in the woods, Hunting the horny back toad. <laughs> <laughs> I think this 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 particular uh, episode of Ball and Chain has had far too much of me singing, beginning with the softball. Do you singing, think so.
0: like as Bernie Toppin's writing the lyrics, he's like he, he thinks to himself sometimes, there's no way this absurd lyric can end up being a hit. Let's just throw it in there and see. Like this is isn't it,
2: specific to Bernie Topin. I have no idea about Bernie Topin, but I think some of the lyrics written in the 70s, um, by somebody face down in a mountain of cocaine. Uh, may not have made, weren't even a, a concern, whether they made any sense whatsoever right. or not.
0: This is a total non sequitur, other than the fact that it's words that don't make a ton of sense put next to each other.
2: This is a total non sequitur. could be the title of this podcast, I know. by the
0: way. Is, uh, uh, yes, exactly. I was behind a, a car yesterday with a bumper sticker, and it had the name of some elementary school on it and you know the little school symbol. And then it said, my child is a scholar model.
2: Not a model scholar.
0: My child is a scholar model. I promise. That's what it said. And I I've was like, of, okay. I've heard
2: of singer model, actress model.
0: I've never heard my child. I've never and and, and it's a. It wasn't a homemade bumper sticker. Scholar Clearly, athlete. The, the school sent it out. My child is a scholar model. So you, I'll leave it to you guys to figure out exactly what that I, means.
2: I am hoping Bernie Topping can work that into an Elton John song.
0: <laughs> That's what made me think of it. Yes, I think he could last week I spoke at uh, Northwest Community College and you and I have each spoken over the years to a lot of different groups
2: I've spoken there
0: and you've spoken there and this I mean probably hundreds of times we've we've spoken to again a, a variety of groups
2: we have spoken to groups more often than we've spoken to each other
0: probably whether it's we we've done some of these together we've we've done them separately anyway this was the first time in all of the time that I've spoken over the course of the last 30 years, where there was somebody doing sign language during my speech. And um, when I first got there, I met with some members of the Student Senate, and the woman was signing while I was doing that. And, um, and afterwards, I had quite a few people come up to me and speak to me um, with hearing aids in, and it struck me how is it possible that I've never even considered to ask when I've gone to speak somewhere if they were going to provide somebody to do sign language, if they were going to provide this service to somebody who might want to come and uh, hear what I want to say, but can't do that completely without the help of somebody doing sign language. So anyway, it it, it struck me how, um, how nice it was to have that person there, how nice it was to have a a, to me, a large number of hearing impaired people there because they could actually find out what I was saying because of the person doing sign language. And when I speak from now on, I will at least make that inquiry to wherever I'm going, you know, do you have any people who are hearing imp- hearing impaired who would be interested in coming? If so, would you please provide um, someone to do sign language? It was, uh, it was just a, something that I can't believe I've never considered in all the years that I've that I've spoken in front of groups.
2: As you're saying this, I'm recalling um, something I read this week by the new poet laureate for the U.K., Simon Armitage, who uh, wrote something about speaking in public, particularly reciting poetry in public, and it involved signing, less happily in his case. Can I just read you what, yes. what he's written? Yes, please. The venue is a porta-cabin in a car park. <laughs> As somebody who's done a lot of book readings, this this rings to too horribly true. The PA system is a Fisher-Price press-and-play karaoke machine. I'm introduced as the name on everyone's lips, Simon Armoriding. A well-intentioned youth doing voluntary work for the hearing impaired, of which there is none in the audience, has offered to sign. He stands to my left all evening, giving what is a passable impersonation of Ian Curtis dancing to She's Lost Control Again, and eventually passes out. (laughs) Five minutes before the interval, a nice lady goes into the kitchenette at the back to begin making to begin tea-making operations. My final poem of the, of the half is accompanied by the organ-like hum of a wall-mounted water heater rising slowly towards a boiling point. <laughs> there, is, there is no alcohol, but how about a cup of bovril, which is like a um, uh, not a pleasant be- beverage. Following the break, an old man at the front falls asleep and farts during a poem about death, sluffer, suffering, and self-pity. Afterwards, there are no books for sale, but some kind soul asked me to autograph her copy of Summoned by Bells. So my, my story about an awakening to the fact that people,
0: did you know, I should be aware whether or not somebody's there, it might need a, <laughs> to, a, a to sign language, uh, somebody doing sign language leads you to
2: to them. Two, to read that, two entirely separate stories. I should have. I should have Completely. said. I should have said now for a total non sequitur as a transition. Are you, in,
0: are you insinuating that there was somebody falling asleep and farting during by, by, by during way, my speech? By the way, as as a writer
2: who labors over transitions that nobody else is going to care about, I love that you tra- transition that you uh, segue from subject to subject with now. Here's a total non sequitur in the Monty Python spirit of now for something completely different. And now for something completely different.
0: Finally, my Northwest Community College where I was is in a little town called Winstead, Connecticut. Um, Our kids know Winstead as the place with the closest Dairy Queen. But uh, but as I was leaving and I was driving, they have a nice town green in the center of town. There are all these signs um, for their annual pet parade. I didn't notice the date. I don't know if it's this coming weekend, but um, I'm curious as to how many people and their pets come to the pet parade, how many fights break out between dogs on leashes, what other pets might be in the parade. I'm guessing it's cats and dogs, but what the heck, it could be a lot of other things as well. So let's find out exactly when that is, and maybe you and I could go take a peek at the pet parade and, uh, and see what it entails.
2: Well, while wow, it entails? Yeah. Entails. Exactly. Ah, like that. Was that intentional?
0: No, but no, it I wasn't. like, and I can pr- pretend it was now.
2: Yes. Or oh, we could go, we could go to the uh, medieval uh, execution parade and see what it entrails. Uh. <laughs> okay. Okay. While we're on the subject of Winstead, Connecticut, I, I, I it's unlikely to come up again in this podcast. So uh, I'm going to this viewer mail uh, to ballandchainpot at gmail.com. Uh, Bob in North Carolina writes, on last week's podcast, you mentioned Rebecca's speaking engagement at Northwest Connecticut Community College. Did you stop at the Winstead Diner to eat? It was a favorite of mine when I worked at Camp Jewel in Colbert, Connecticut. It's been a while since I lived in Connecticut, but I certainly recommend Winstead Diner as a piece of roadside Americana. A word of warning, if you take the whole Russian family, you'll nearly monopolize all of the stools of the converted rail car. Did you eat at Winstead Diner?
0: I did not eat at Winstead Diner. I'm I'm a little curious now. I'm not sure exactly where Winstead Diner is, but I'll pay attention and look for it next time I'm driving through Winstead.
2: By the way, Bob signs his email, Bob, with his last name, and then Huntersville, North Carolina, 60609, which I know not to be the zip code of Huntersville, North Carolina, because it is a uh, it's a Chicago zip code. And the reason I know this is because it was the zip code... On the Sniegel catalog, Chicago, Illinois, six oh six oh nine. That was that was a, a prize in every game show in the nineteen seventies. P.S. writes Bob. Also on last week's show, you reminisced about seventies era game shows. And you all did what? Three, you reminisced. Thank what you. What did I say?
0: I don't know, but it didn't sound like that.
2: Okay. About seventies era game shows. And all of three of my viewer mail submissions, I've included an erroneous detail inspired by Stingray Afternoons that Wink Martindale of zip codes. Six oh six oh nine. So that was a little Easter egg, Bob, put in his email to see if I would catch it. The zip code did. of the Spiegel catalog. Yes. Should go. we get to uh, yeah, other let, viewer mail? Let's, let's let's do the viewer mail. Okay, why not? That book, throw our
1: lure, with your viewer mail.
2: Rebecca and Steve, as a native Minnesotan, also raised in the Twin Cities in the late '60s and early '70s, I enjoyed your all-too-brief discussion of the terms. Wedgy and snuggy in this week's podcast. Grew too up,
0: brief our discussion,
2: pun intended, perhaps. Yes. Uh, by the way, this remind this is this is on topic, but not part of this viewer mail. I saw yesterday somebody posted a um, there are now denim speedos, a, a denim speedo anyway. I don't know if a speedo brand, but there was a photograph that I can no longer unsee
0: swimming. I, I you don't know. Well, I it, I just finished the part of your book Nights in White Castle where comes home from and he's switched from
2: okay to yes okay anyway well, it's a, it's I can throw very, that little in oh, there that. sure yeah that's, yeah that's, the that's book not, the I'm book doesn't ruining. come out for three more months but I know Rebecca's but I got a, a, I know people and an advance copy, copy. the book is more is not I- exclusively about switch from to but it is largely it is about mentioned. that yeah. it's mentioned in um, there. it was a stunning milestone in my young life were they were they
0: denim. Or, or denim b- that he had been wearing previously?
2: Well, I think the jorts that, that he and I both wore were the equivalent of denim. B-. They were, they were, uh, that, that was the fashion back it, in the is day. Is this
0: your way of dropping a hint that for Father's Day you would like me to get you a denim Speedo?
2: This is my. It's exactly, yes. Okay. What, what, what would be the male. Aqu- Take it. What would be the, the male name for Daisy Dukes? Like uh, Denny Dukes? <laughs> Maybe. With Denny one with N. one N.
0: <laughs> Denny Dukes. I'll get you some Denny Dukes for Father's Day.
2: Denny <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh with one in and, and one out. Uh Rebecca and Steve. Okay, so Wedgie and Snuggie. We talked when I grew up in Minnesota, what what you knew was a wedgie we called a snuggy What the rest
0: of the world knew yes. as a Wedgie, you knew as a Snuggie.
2: Well, Tom writes, this is not Tom, my brother Tom, but Tom of Annandale, Virginia writes, I grew up with snuggy, of course, and sadly not just in the abstract linguistic sense. I thought Wedgie was weird when I first heard my East Coast-raised wife use it. Now I think snuggy is very odd. It sounds almost comforting, like a full-body wearable blanket or a soft baby's diaper. Wedgie, on the other hand, all too accurately describes the discomfort of being hoisted by the waistband of one's tidy whities I, I eagerly await your discussion of lollipop versus sucker. Another another uh, uh Lollipop one hundred percent.
0: When I was a kid it was lollipop. Sucker
2: exclusively in Minnesota.
0: I mean sucker makes more sense because it describes what you're doing, but one
2: hundred percent lollipop. Of course the great fault line is uh between Minnesota and everywhere else is duck duck goose versus our own duck duck grey duck. Yeah, that's just weird. It is a bit weird, but it's 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 what we do. Uh, Chuck writes, an Uber confession of another ilk, or should I say, of another ick. Check out this article from USA Today, and he encloses an art- a link to an article that uh, about a study of not very many uh, ride-sharing rides, I might add, but uh, uh, that uh, they have more bacteria, by by a a lot more bacteria than a toilet seat in a public restroom.
0: What does? a Or, Uber? or a regular
2: taxi. Uh, ride-sharing rides, yeah.
0: I wonder why that is. I don't know. What are people doing in the Ubers? Okay, what's but, but,
2: next? But but it it stands to reason because if if I were to suddenly become an Uber driver, the first passenger I picked up would discover that the back of my car is a disgusting petri dish of of filth and bacteria, and, and I don't even go back there. You yeah, well, that's but it's the, where the kids ride.
0: That's the thing. It doesn't. Um, it, it compares it to taxis, but does it compare it to you know non rideshare automobiles? It does. Oh, okay. and it
2: doesn't come out. Uh, well in the comparison. Okay. got a lot of comments here about uh, Alexa eavesdropping on us.
0: Do people think she is?
2: Well, The Economist doesn't rule it out. Alexa, are you recording everything you hear? It's a question more people are asking, though Amazon's voice assistant denies the charges. Quote, I only record and send audio back to the Amazon cloud when you say the wake word. She insists. I think this is if you ask her. Uh, Before referring questioners to Amazon's privacy policy. This is from John, and he encloses a link to a story in The Economist about that. Not subscribing to The Economist, I can't read beyond that first paragraph, but it doesn't sound... uh,
0: Doesn't give you a couple free ones per
2: month? Gives me a couple of free paragraphs. No, and God bless The Economist for that, because how do you expect to make money in journalism if you're giving away for free? So I'm all about the paywall. Dan writes on this same subject, uh, early this morning, I listened to the podcast in the car while driving to work during the segment when you were discussing Alexa and Siri. On two occasions, the podcast audio paused, and my car indicated that the podcast was somehow trying to call me. The header on this email, by the way, is your podcast tried to call me. (laughs) In fact, it showed that my car was somehow connected to a call and was measuring the length of the call. Each call lasted 10 to 12 seconds. I think that the podcast somehow was connecting to my car microphone. I was alone in the car and do not have voice activation enabled. Since I've listened to every episode from the beginning, I guess this makes me a charter listener. As such, thank you for making an enjoyable program each week. Dan, Dan, how do we get, how can we activate now? Dan's, uh, uh, should we just say something like, uh, this is Dan, call wifey? You think <laughs> that would work? Yes. Well, let's see if it happens. Okay. And, and let's hope to God it calls Dan's wife and not uh, <laughs> whoever wifey is in his phone. All right. Hello, Rebecca and Steve, writes Marty with a D. Your resident Aussie rules expert here, Go Adelaide Crows, currently top four on the ladder in the AFL. I mention this because we have another viewer mail in here from another Aussie rules fan who says last week that I had called them the Adelaide Crowns. If I did, I apologize. uh, You know the the difference?
0: I could have called them the crowns if I was reading it because I have no idea about Aussie rules football. Shame on me.
2: Rich writes, As another American Aussie rules fan, imagine my surprise when Steve read a letter from Marty where she or you mistakenly referred to the Adelaide Crows as the Adelaide Crowns. Uh, Rich, I assure you it was me. Marty did not make that mistake. You may be confused with the Adelaide Netball Club called the S.A. Crowns. Well, of course, that was my confusion. FYI, I barrack for the St. Kilda Saints. Root for has quite a different meaning down under, and that's true. We, we This comes up occasionally. This is rich in Corvallis, Oregon. This comes up occasionally in the podcast uh, slang uh, that is rude elsewhere, and we have listeners in some of these places. Root is, is, does not have the same meaning in Australia as it has here.
0: And I have to apologize for all the um, Canadians in Quebec um, when we were talking about tabernacle, because apparently tabernacle is a is a very unfriendly word. Well, up why, there. why did you say it
2: again then? I don't, you, should well, just say, just you should just say a derivation of of tabernacle okay. or variation. Well,
0: most of our listeners will will be most of our by listeners that.
2: are French Canadian.
0: <laughs> so I'm apologizing to all of our French Canadian listeners.
2: By the way, Marty with a D uh, is an English teacher, reads a lot, and encourages loves the idea of the ball and chain book club. So uh, we'll have to get we'll have to get back on that. Uh, okay. Red, yellow, green. We talk about language, business speak. Yes, uh, drives you crazy. I didn't even know what you're talking about with red, yellow, green. I'd never heard that before.
0: Well, you also this past week, a couple of days ago, when I brought it up, and you looked at me blankly, and I said we spoke about this on the podcast a week ago. Um, you clearly had tuned me
2: out. By the way, Marty is going to bring a, a ball and chain a fridge magnet when she goes to Adelaide when she goes Perfect. to Australia this summer, and we've had uh, swag in Australia.
0: Um, most recently Andy sent us a photo of our coaster in Scotland so those who are sending us pictures whether it's via Gmail or on Twitter we absolutely love seeing our coasters or magnets or anything else all over the world so thank you so much in for fact that.
2: We, we have a few of those others Andy sent us an email uh, from Scotland apparently is a thing that breakfast porridge is served with whiskey in Scotland to be mixed in as one would do with cream I'm guessing it's the Scottish equivalent of a Bloody, of a Bloody Mary Travel tip from Andy. If you're willing to try new foods, it may be better to ask what's in it after. Case in point, I tried black pudding with breakfast today. It was quite tasty, but... Do you know what black pudding is?
0: Um, heard of black pudding. I don't know the
2: ingredients, no. It's uh, pork blood mixed with like uh, porridge or something into a sausage. So,
0: mm. Well, that's why you're... Also having whiskey poured into your oatmeal. You just else? found we, out was in black pudding. We
2: have uh, we have uh, more Ball and Chain uh, swag uh, travels around the world. This comes from Patty with an I, who happens to admit, be the mother of Denny with an N, with one N, and it's a photo from uh, ke- photos from Kenya and Tanzania with a Ball and Chain uh, fridge magnet on the front bumper of, a, of their safari vehicle in the Ngorongoro crater in Tanzania.
0: Please forward cool that email that? to me, and I'll post a couple of I those will. pictures on Instagram.
2: Patty borrowed that from Denny's fridge. We should probably get her, her magnets of her own. That's and a good idea. And Joe, our foreign correspondent, ball and chain foreign correspondent Joe, sent us two pictures of swag on both Ipanema Beach and Copacabana Beach in Rio. So this is pretty cool.
0: This is unbelievably cool. You know, for a while you had the map show, and you'd color in the states, or the kids would color in the states that we had sent swag to. Do we still have any emptied, empty states on that map? Uh, or have they, Delaware
2: has remained blissfully Delaware empty? Delaware is
0: the one of fifty yeah. that has that has never gotten swag. So anyway, we need a world map I, I, I now. I think
2: at this point we should decline. To send anything to Delaware? Yeah,
0: we should decline to let somebody who lives in Delaware even download the
2: podcast. No, no, no. But, we love Delaware, but, but um, just, just as a just as a um, just as a point of pride. Yeah, yeah. Well, well mean, here, well, it, now is. We here need, it is. Here it is. The fridge magnet from Ipanema goes walking, and Joe asks, "Perhaps readers could guess the next upcoming uh, ball and chain trip location of Joe's?" Joe took took uh, the magnets to to Australia in a previous trip. And uh, more trips will be planned. Thanks to Joe's business trips (parentheses). He writes, "Without the in-flight 6 a.m. scotch and sodas, so accustomed to by business travelers."
0: Well, we need to get a world map now, and we need to start coloring in the countries where our magnets have traveled. But um, but yeah, I, I wonder where the next where the next stop will be.
2: Where in the world like, is Carmen San Diego?
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Carmen San Diego, Joe. <laughs>
0: Or something, like that. or something
2: like that. Brian writes, I was thrilled you gave Wink Martindale his due, or in his case, maybe his due, his hairdo. Everything about him said game show host. If you looked game show host up in the dictionary, his picture should be there. I, I couldn't agree more. I, in school, I did a report on him for class. Wink Martindale is still with us, born in 1933. That would make him 86 this year. And uh, certainly the consummate the game show host uh, of all game show hosts. No did question, you the name when, when
0: you were looking that up? Did you look to see what if that was his the name given to him when he was born, or if that was his game show name? When I
2: was looking what up? W- when he was born, I, I knew that off the top of my head. You
0: just knew that he was born in 1933. I, I have heavens. been stalking Wink Martindale. Is, this is
2: my life for uh, for many years. Now. I certainly didn't look that up. I just oh, knew it. But I lost my train of thought. Red, yellow, green. and writes. I recently worked in the telecommunication industry and we each and we used red yellow green all the time. It wasn't just for an overall status on a project. We had to provide an RYG status for each step of the project. And yes, we called it RYG for each step of the process. That was, that was a great Michael Jackson song, don't you think?
0: <laughs> the RYG. I want to love you. RYG. <laughs> yes. Yeah, red so RYG, yellow green. That Michael thing. Jackson song, I know. Yeah. We got a viewer mail from Bobby, and this was via Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. And again, this goes back to business speak. And Bobby said, "Hard stop is a clock issue. For example, if you are in a meeting at twelve fifty and you have another one at one, and then you have a hard stop, so you should end on time, which is different from what was the other term that we had used? Full stop. A full which stop, which is like period in, in yes
2: English, English.
0: Yes. Yeah, so make sure to not confuse hard stop with Full Stop.
2: Kelly writes, uh, Diaphanous Pants and Lobo Lanes, that was the title of, of one of our podcasts recently, included an epic fall story. Well, she has a couple of her own. During my first week in high school, the chunky heel of my shoe caught in the wide cuff of my pants. I tumbled down a flight of stairs, landing at the feet of the senior class president, broken thumb, bruised ego. But wait for this one. I went to New York City to attend a United Way luncheon with several colleagues. While walking across the street to the event location, I felt my half slip slide down my legs and saw (laughs) a puddle at my feet. Mortified, I stooped to pick it up and put it in my purse. And in typical New York style, no one noticed.
0: (laughs) Do you know what a half slip is? I don't. Okay, so under your dress, women can either wear a full slip, which kind of looks like a negligee, but it's so, you know, if your dress isn't is a little bit diaphanous then uh, then you put that underneath it, and a half slip is just on the bottom so it's like a really thin layer that you wear under your skirt so apparently hers just fell down apparently
2: her half slip had a full slip
0: <laughs> her half slip had a full slip she kept walking, picked it up and put it in her purse I, I applaud that on a lot of levels I don't know that people wear half slips or even full sli- they, full slips anymore I think it's more gone the way of half spanks and full spanks <laughs>
2: Half Spanks and Full Spanks. Danny, yes. you have your cue for uh, the title of this week's podcast. The next viewer mail comes from Harold. Harold Markley. Harry. Hello, Harry. Harold's Markley of Tom, Dick, and Harry writes Yo, Rastiva, while I was waiting to be seated for dinner with my wife and daughter at the Edina Grill last Friday night, in walks Steve slash Tom's dad, Mr. Russian. My dad. He blazed right past the hostess stand and found a seat at the bar. Of course he did. That's what he does. Having only met him a couple of times when he came to watch our Tom, Dick, and Harry gigs, I was lame and let him enjoy his meal in peace. Of course, I wanted to ask him about various stories from Stingray Afternoons, but I abstained. I regret not chatting with him, and will do it the next time. Did your dad read Stingray Afternoons? What did he think about it? He was my hero in that book, Hari. Well, Hari, yes, he did read it. And uh, he was everyone's hero in that. I think he was everyone's hero. I I think I think he uh, was understandably uncomfortable with some of the uh, some of the stories about himself in there. But uh, as a gracious, uh, humble man who who doesn't like being written about, he sucked it up and and said nothing but nice things to me about it. So um, I will take him at his word on that. By the way, uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry's summer gig calendar is filled up with four gigs in May slash June. We added two gigs since the last time I shared our schedule. Uh, so I, let me make sure, Rebecca, that we plug those at the end of the show. Okay? okay.
0: And not only that, I will make sure to post them on our Twitter feed so that people can always go back whenever they've listened to this podcast. And um, it will be on our Twitter feed, at Ball and Chain Pod, the Tom, Dick, and Harry upcoming gigs and one they
2: book more. We will post those as well. Uh, Dr. K in Fort Wayne writes, congratulations on your 75th episode. I have two questions this week, one for each of you. For Rebecca, I recognize that besides being something you enjoy, the coaching you do now is likely to spend time with your kids and to give back to the community. But given the many basketball teams you coach, have coached, and your admiration for Coach Oriema, I wonder if you've ever considered coaching in a professional capacity.
0: No, I would, not, I would not even consider coaching in a professional capacity. I don't think, I think we've talked about this before, I simply don't have time to do it on the college level, and I don't think I would have any interest in recruiting kids of that age. <laughs> but I love youth coaching youth basketball, I think I I would love all the way through high school, even though I don't do that age right now. But um, no to college, no to pro.
2: And for Steve, a writing question. My family and I are big fans of our hometown minor league baseball team, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. In the last year, I've begun writing occasional game recaps for a San Diego-based website, I neither aspire to become nor pretend to be a sports writer. It's just a lark. However, in my recaps, I repeatedly run up against the problem of verb repetition. Once you get past crushed, slapped, cranked, etc., how many different ways are there to say a player hit the baseball or scored a run? I've even used the dreaded word, he plated a run, out of verb variation, desperation. Do you have any ideas for idea, advice for keeping writing fresh? Dr. K, the best advice, and you will hear it from many better writers than I, is don't. Um, at least when it comes to said, he said she said is always better than he uh, smiled or he whatever there were there there's only I mean, he may be whispered, he may be shouted, but uh, going overboard with the variations I can't stand and it's a m- mark of uh, of uh, less than.
0: Um. Although, you're talking about writing. I will say this. One of the things I thoroughly enjoy when I work with Ryan Rucco, when he's calling games, is the variety of language that he's he uses to describe things um, and they're usually like right on the money Instead, if somebody drives into the lane he'll use a different description that will be perfect for that moment so I enjoy the variety of language that some people use when they're calling games as long as no it doesn't question. go
2: ridiculously overboard. No question, I've always said that one of the difference between writing and, and broadcasting is if if you write the same phrase over and over you're not writing well or you're plagiarizing yourself If you say the same phrase over and over as a broadcaster, you have a catchphrase and and they give you a raise. Right. Yeah, right.
0: Well, the other interesting thing is I talk about play-by-play is one of the people I don't work with as much as I used to, but I still get a a chance to listen to quite a lot is Pam Ward, one of our play-by-play women. and. One of my favorite things about listening to Pam is you can hear the smile in her voice often when she is calling things, and that's something that's interesting, and it's something I noticed when I work with people, is if they're smiling, you can hear the smile on the other side of it too, even though you can't see them, you can hear it, and it makes for a more pleasant listen when you're listening to somebody Um, so anyway this has nothing to do with with the viewer mail that you got but just something that I, I find interesting is sometimes I'm sitting at home listening Carolyn Peck was another one as an analyst you can just sometimes hear the smile and the joy that they're bringing right through the screen
2: our Canadian resident resident Canadian Jim writes road tripping between university graduation in 1984 and starting my first permanent job I road tripped with four friends in an Econoline van to see a baseball game in every major league stadium 26 games Ironically, the oldest stadiums then, uh, Fenway and Wrigley, are still in use today, and almost every other one has been replaced. Off the top of my head, the only other ones still in use are Dodger, Anaheim, Oakland, Royals, and Busch Stadia. Well, no, Busch is a, is a different stadium than it was then. It's a, it's a, it has the same name, but it's a different uh, ballpark entirely. We were in Bloomington on June 17th or 18th versus the Indians. Would you have been working those days, Steve? No, and in fact, the stadium was not in Bloomington by 1984. They had moved into the Metrodome. I did work at the Metrodome, but that was in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, Dublin House Crew writes, John, I think that Rebecca mischaracterized this one. If one is in a meeting or a conference call and they have a hard stop at one thirty, then they will be gone at 1.31, no no overtime allowed. So um, so yes, we confused what, I'm confusing again. Hard stop and full stop. Hard stop is, is and what, full stop. There we go. Confused.
0: I won't do that again.
2: Speaking of business speak, Dr. Siegel has huddles. We have those in medicine as well as in business and sports. At the change of shift for years, the nurses gathered for a process called report during which they discussed the patients. This This was always a sacred time for them during which little else would occur absent an emergency event, and the doctors learned to stay away during report lest they interrupt the nurses during their special time. Now, and I am not saying that this is a bad thing, report has been transformed, morphed in 21st century terms, into a huddle.
0: Well, I mean, I I don't doubt that all of these things have been happening. They've just been given new terms. Like, I'm sure all along at business meetings, people explain where they are in their... Uh, with their project, they just now are going by color or, you know, that p- people have always had little meetings. They're just now calling them right. huddles instead of meetings. It's just a new name for what has always been happening,
2: right? I may, I may be losing Dr. Siegel, by the way. Uh, he, he calls my attention to the malarkey, in all caps, offered by Steve, this is in italics, in front of his caring wife and the mother of his children regarding his new diet, the Mediterranean diet, of course. And how he was forced to subsist on those groceries brought into the home. The hole got deeper when Steve, after having been given free reign to grocery shop any time by Rebecca, tried to make a lame excuse that by shopping, he would be intruding on Rebecca's turf. Steve, I applaud you for feeding the children when Rebecca is gone and playing the clueless husband role to a T because I am right there with you. But this was a bridge too far. All the best, Gary with two R's. <laughs> he
0: thinks you're playing the clueless husband if if only that were true because that would I'm that would imply that you could somehow get out of that role instead of the fact that you were born <laughs> in that role and are still trying to fight
2: your way out well we've done a, a service uh, you, you say as a clueless husband i'm not much of a uh, handyman not handy around the house well i'm fixing problems in other people's homes ready I'm ready, Rebecca and Steve. I came across your podcast recently. I've been binge listening at every opportunity. This morning, I was listening to an episode about setting mouse traps in your basement. When I walked into the kitchen, it occurred to me to go to the basement to check the mouse traps I had set the day before. We had heard sounds in the ceiling of our dining room, which we've learned happens when mice come up from the basement. What a coincidence to be listening to you talk about mouse traps while I am finding a dead mouse in mine. Mm. So there you go. That's from uh, Tim in Richmond, Indiana. We have uh, we've caught mice in richmond indiana thanks for well, our podcast
0: yeah well that that makes me feel better about
2: about our mice <laughs> and we've got a couple of viewer mails here from uh, a subject that uh, your million dollar idea could come to fruition here
0: okay let's hear it
2: rebecca the american whistle corporation this is from george our monocle and crokey dealer in columbus the american whistle corporation located in columbus is the only manufacturer of metal whistles in the united states they were founded in 1956, but were sold to new owners in January of 2018. They seem to be interested in pursuing new and innovative ideas. Their website states, and then he includes a, uh, a, a screenshot from their website. Okay, uh, setting up to develop a new products that complement the classic brass whistle. After listening to your podcast yesterday, this your idea, of course, Rebecca is
0: when you go to AAU tournaments or even basketball camps. There's generally three courts right next to each other. So, of course, if a whistle is blown on one court, you can hear it on another court. My idea is that whistles, they should make whistles that have different sounds so that during a basketball game, kids know if the whistle is from their referee or a referee on an adjacent court.
2: Well, I don't have it in front of me, but Ed, our patent attorney in Maryland, sends a patent from the 1950s, I believe it was, for a a whistle that with just the flip of a little switch changes the, um, the air intake, and so it sounds at, at the two tone. different pitches. But our, our, our George, yes. our, our monocle dealer, has already taken care of this for us. After listening to your podcast yesterday, I contacted them by email to ask if all of their whistles make the same noise. They replied that their brass whistles have a frequency of 3.36 kilohertz, and their plastic whistles have a frequency of 3.533 kilohertz. I assume that's what KHZ is a a short for. I don't know if the human ear can distinguish this difference between metal and plastic whistles, but it does show that the metal whistles typically used by referees do all make the same sound. If you're interested in pursuing your whistle idea, it would seem like these are the folks you should contact.
0: Well, maybe I will, especially because the whistle I have that I use in basketball practice is a metal whistle. So if he says they're the only manufacturer of metal whistles, then I'm already using their product.
2: Sherry writes, uh, the email header is just Holly Rowe, so how can we how can we not read this one? I was listening to the Holly Rowe and Flu Game podcast, truly one of the best. People are now going through and listening, uh, doing a second lap, apparently. Or they've
0: just been introduced to it, and they're, they're listening for the first time.
2: I've enjoyed Holly Rowe and her work with ESPN for many years. She stands tall as a trailblazer, as a sports telecaster. She is incredibly knowledgeable, unbelievably talented, and whenever she's part of the telecast, the event is much more personal. The casual way she relates stories of her encounters and involvement with some of the biggest sports events over the last 20 years is engaging and delightful. I agree with you both. Where, this is in all caps, is her book, four exclamation marks.
0: Yeah, Holly, Holly clearly needs to write um, a memoir because she has some of the most unbelievable stories, and she could probably include one from this past week where she was, I believe, in College Station, Texas, calling um, women's softball, and she posted, I think, a video on Instagram where she was in sitting on the floor of the bathroom of her hotel because there was a tornado warning a tornado was going through college station i believe that's where she was and um she was just talking okay i've got my pillow in here i've got my makeup i've got this and that (laughs) and then she also posted a text that she sent to her son telling him the room number she was in in case anything happened to her so this is a serious a serious tornado warning and and holly had all the things important to her in the bathroom with her including her makeup and pillows (laughs)
2: And well, and and uh, Sherry would like to see Holly or hear Holly in basement again, but this is uh, this is why she can't be in basement. Yeah, she's Honorable avoiding answer. tornadoes. She's, she's she's always on the road. And finally, Deb writes, "Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Not Rebecca and Steve. Not Rebecca and Steve. Rebecca in Steve." Hmm. Uh, I discovered your podcast a couple of months ago, and I'm still getting caught up on the old ones. Just heard you mention Cat Stevens on vinyl, and it took me back all the way to 1976 when a friend loaned my parents a Cat Stevens album. I still have many of my old albums. Cannot bear to part with them. You you love to listen to Cat Stevens. Uh, Cat Stevens is one of
0: my favorites, yes. One of my
2: mom's favorites as well. Uh, also, writes Deb, I hope you're putting more oil in your minivan. I listened to the podcast where it said you got new front tires, and the guy said your oil was half full. I cannot stress enough how anxious this made me because this is a lesson I learned early in life. The oil is the lifeblood of your vehicle. Imagine if you only had half of the blood that your body needed. Okay. How do you answer that charge, Rebecca?
0: I answer that charge by saying I've noticed that my, my miles in, in the new minivan are, are at a place where I need to bring it in. And one of the things I'll ask is to make sure that my, my, my oil is full.
2: This is good because Deb is listening to the podcast now from from the beginning. And, it, and she's, she's responding to things we did a year and a half ago. And, yeah. and, and this is a nice walk down memory lane. Moving on, she writes, I once met a woman through a personal ad. When I showed up to the restaurant, she was reading an article in the newspaper, and she said, hold on, I'm almost done with this article. (laughs) And I proceeded to sit there like a schmuck for about 10 minutes while she finished. If that happened to me now, I would just leave. I was reminded of that when you said that you and Steve went to breakfast when you were first dating, and he picked up a paper and started reading it instead of talking to you. And in fact, we were just in that, the West Side Diner, a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, we were um, sitting adjacent to the table where you had ignored me while reading the Sunday paper and not offering me a section.
2: And now, after 16 years of marriage, I just sat there and regard you by gazing out the window. And that's really more of a statement on newspapers than, right. on, than on anything although else.
0: We although um, we were at a local library the other day, and we happened to be sitting in the area that has all the newspapers. And I said to you, because you, you read a lot of newspapers, but you read them on your iPad. And I said to you, after you drop our oldest daughter at school, you should go to the library, although I don't think it's open that early. And just sit in that area and read the papers. I wonder, there was nobody reading them. We were there in the afternoon. I wonder if, in the morning, if there's a lot of people I, I sitting there would, I reading would do the papers. That,
2: I would do that if, and only if, the newspapers were hung over wooden dowels.
0: What was the name of that restaurant in New York? Mozart Cafe. Yeah. It's, it's no the, longer there. Well, but we used to, to, to be go there, and they used to have newspapers department. hung over dowels from all and, over the world. And, and, and,
2: and in hotel lobbies, in, in like Kuala Lumpur or something, you would find... Newspapers like an International Herald Tribune hung as if to dry over a wooden dowel, and you would read it. and And that's what I think of as I feel like Phileas Fogg in the uh, the uh, men's club in London, uh, planning a trip around the world. Whenever I'm reading a newspaper on a wooden dowel, which I don't get to do very much. I'm guessing
0: anymore. Phileas Fogg is not the name of one of the horses in the Triple
2: Crown. Around the world in eighty days. Oh. Okay. okay, well, moving on. Deb, Deb's not finished, and and, and happily so, because uh, she writes, Women hockey players wear jill straps. You may want to hold on to yours case, in case you ever decide to play hockey. I think jill strap came up on our first or second podcast. Uh, I think people would pay good money to see that.
0: Pay good money to see the jill strap that Evidently. the inventor sent me back in 1995? Uh,
2: finally, I'm dying to know if the mower you used to have was a zero-turn mower. I, I of course, stopped mowing the lawn. Allergies have... Uh, Taking yeah, over. That
0: wasn't a zero-turn mower. Of course mower. it wasn't
2: a zero-turn mower. I, my dream was to get a zero-turn mower, but uh, that, that talk about a bridge too far, Dr. Siegel. I thought that was uh, I thought financially... The zero,
0: no, I, I, didn't think, I didn't think it was, was a zero financial issue. I thought it was an issue that you weren't confident that you could completely no, 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 master I'm sure the turns I, It does have those zero. two
2: sort of uh, handles on the steering wheel, but uh, when I was young, I had to mow the grass with a non-powered push mower, writes Deb, and as I got older, it was my dream to have a zero-turn mower. Her dream was to have a zero-turn mower... She, she, uh,
0: what well, did she get the zero turn more or keep going
2: after having a regular lawn tractor and having to circle and circle to finish up that one little spot? She doesn't say she has left us in suspense. However, she would love some swag or in- includes an address in Minnesota, or Rebecca can bring the swag to a Lynx game as she walks by her seats all the time. I know she could easily remember this task because it sounds like Steve takes care of almost everything at home. <laughs> Deb writes, the last line is, as the kids say, this is throwing shade.
0: Well, I certainly hope she will write after she listens to this podcast. Who knows when that will be because it sounds like she's way behind listening to the podcast. But whenever you listen to this, Deb, please let us know if you ever got your, your, what is it called?
2: Zero Turn Mower? Zero Turn Mower. Yeah, if you ever got it. And uh, before Tom, Dick, and Hari, Myles Markley plays us out, Yes, we have to plug some gigs of theirs coming up. By the way, they've written, and we're not ready to debut it yet, but they've written a spectacular song. Uh, called Knights in White Castle
0: for your book that comes out on August twentieth.
2: Can't wait for them to finish that. Um, anyway, time to that, But
0: that's that's a good place to remind people that you can download their their song Riding on My Stingray off of iTunes if you would like, and then I'm sure they will be playing it live at one of these gigs. I hope
2: so. Uh, they play four thirty to five thirty Saturday May eighteenth at the Art to World Festival in Northeast Minneapolis near Broadway and Van Buren. Sunday, June 2nd, from 3.30 to 5 at Lindale Open Streets, performing in the Markley Front Yard, 5125 Lindale, as they close off Lindale from 22nd to 54th Streets. 7 to 9 p.m. Wednesday, June 5th, Hops for Haiti fundraiser at the Lynn Lake Brewery in Uptown, 6 to 7 on Thursday, June 27th at Lower Town Sounds series in Mears Park in downtown St. Paul.
0: And again, I will post all of those dates and times and locations on our Twitter handle,
2: but... Oh, and also welcome to any listeners who, who uh, of the Life of Dad podcast. They were gracious enough, John Finkel and Art Eddie, to have me on their great podcast, Life of Dad.
0: So if you want to hear more from Steve talking about what it means to, what did you talk about? I don't know, but Life if you want to Dad hear podcast, less, from,
2: less from Steve. You,
0: or even more importantly, if you want to hear less from Rebecca, but more from Steve, listen to the Life of Dad podcast that Steve was on last week, right?
2: It was the last couple of weeks, yeah.
0: All right. Well, until you go and listen to Tom, Dick, and Hari live. Pref-
2: preferably in Hari's front yard at 5125 Linden. Preferably
0: in Hari's front yard. Until that date and time, you can uh, listen to them play us out.
1: <laughs> Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet living in its cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Andrivenous and to innocent, vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane